Hey, lit lovers. Welcome to Bibliophiles. As this is our first episode, I think we're going to spend some time at the beginning here introducing ourselves and giving you an idea of who you're joining. I'm Adam Andrews, known to my students across the world as Mr. A, but I think we'll dispense with that sobriquet and just use first names. Glad to be among you. And I'm joined, as always, for Bibliophiles by my lovely wife, Missy Andrews. Hi. Good to see you. Good to see you. Sounding very literary today. What does someone who sounds literary sound like? Well, give us about 45 minutes and we will all let you know. Ah, okay. Can't Tell wait. you what, they use words like sobriquet. <laughs> Welcome to Bibliophiles, a production of the Center for Lit Podcast Network. In today's episode, the Center for Lit team continues its quest to discover the great ideas in books of every description, ancient classics to new bestsellers, epic poems to bedtime stories. We're glad you came along. We hope you find this discussion as provocative and inspiring as the books themselves. Want to join the great conversation? Stay tuned. You've come to the right place. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to drum roll, please, from somebody who can do a drum roll. <laughs> Bibliophiles, <laughs> episode one hundred. We've been doing this for a hundred episodes, and if you're still listening today, boy, are we grateful that you stuck around for a hundred episodes. For sure. mm-hmm. This has been quite a journey. We're so proud to be here, and so excited to have been doing this for this long. You guys, great work. Give yourselves Yay. a hand. It's been almost five years. That is incredible. Five years. Has it really been five, five, five years? Five years. Amazing. Five years of this particular show, this long, long conversation. It's been so much fun. I would just like to pause, full stop, before we do anything. And we have all sorts of fun games up our sleeve for today. We're just going to hang out and celebrate. But before we do any of that, I would like to publicly acknowledge on the air my wife, Emily. Yay! Who... Became the first uh, married into the family, Andrews, not too long before we started recording this podcast. Yeah. And since just about the very beginning, or maybe the actual very beginning, Emily has not only participated in this podcast, but has also dutifully listened back to everything that was said and cleaned it up and edited it and made us sound like smart people for five (laughs) years. And that cannot have been easy. I don't know about you listeners, but I hate hearing the sound of my own voice on a recording. And Emily has been wading into that breach for all of us for low these many years. So a round of applause to the selfless Emily Andrews. Thank you so much. That's very sweet. Thank you. (laughs) So with that, Emily, this show is your show. What are we going to do together? Well, we have all kinds of fun activities planned for today. I just took a trip down memory lane and uh, revisited a lot of our old episodes. How was that, that was Emily? So fun. <laughs> it was. It was. You know, five years ago we were even younger than we are now. We were babies, <laughs> and we ventured forth into the wide world publicly and out loud. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a so you pay the consequences for that. <laughs> But there's also been such wonderful things about it as well. And I wouldn't trade it. This has been a wonderful experience. Here's to five more. Here's to five more indeed. <laughs> here, here. So today, the first game that we have planned for today, you know, once upon a time, we talked about starting a game show and it got shuffled to the back of our priority list as we had other things to do. 
Um, but here we're gonna we're gonna test it out. We're gonna do a couple games today. And the first one I have called the authors at a party game. <laughs> we have often put forward the question: if you were hosting a dinner party and could invite your favorite authors to join you, who would you choose? And so we're gonna do a version of that. And I am going to host the dinner party. And each of my co-hosts has taken it upon themselves to become a character, to become an author uh, from any period of history. It could be anyone. Uh, they have studied up on them, and they are now going to come to my party as that author. And it is our job to figure out who they are as we converse together. And I put forward some questions to them. And uh, how are you guys feeling? You ready to go? Have you studied Let's up on your others? So ready. As ready as I'll ever be. Okay. Oh, dear Lord. So they're we not go. there. We're going for full-on impersonations <laughs> oh here. Oh, my gosh. Wait, do we have them? Oh, yes. I'm going to polish up my accent. Do whatever you want to. All right. So well, awesome. uh, so the goal is going to be to guess each other's identity by the end. Don't answer too soon. Let's wait until we've uh, asked all nope. of the questions. No blurting things out. No blurting out guesses until we get to the end. And let's go. So, <laughs> welcome everyone to my table. It's such a delight to have you here. This is, I have been looking That's forward to, to this here. for a very long time. <laughs> what a miracle of modern technology. The time machine appears to have worked correctly. And it is great to have you here. Make yourselves comfortable. And, and I thought as host, I would, you know, ask a couple of ice-breaking questions. You all don't know each other very well. And so we should all get to know each other here. Why don't you tell me a little bit about who you are? What is one thing that other people like about you? What is your most lovable quality? Well, my friends say I'm a great storyteller, but I don't think that probably sets me apart from the rest of you. <laughs> who is this guy? Oh, my. Well, I, I don't really know what people think about me. Uh, if they like anything about me, it may be my sardonic wit. Uh, certainly not my gothic use of violence or my unflattering portrayal of the southerners <laughs> that I live amongst. You see, anything that comes out of the south is going to be called grotesque by the northern reader, unless it is grotesque, in which case it's going to be called realistic. Lady, lady you talk too much. Oh, dear. Well, what? Let's, let's be polite to one another. <laughs> well, since you bring that up, sir, what is it about our other guests that bothers you so much? I don't know. Facing down reality is the only thing that can give life any meaning, and uh, I'm not sure one can do that <laughs> in polite society. Here, here, Everybody hates a goody two-shoes. Let's just drink and be merry. That's what I say. Who knows how long we're going to be here anyway? It's all beautiful. It's all beautiful and damned. <laughs> Except for the pirates. They're not beautiful. <laughs> just damned. <laughs> I hate pirates. I tend to like the man on my right. I, I really hate self-satisfied, self-righteous people. They totally drive me mad. Absolutely mad. Do you hear me? So mad that I could go into an apoplectic fit and throw books in their eyes and strangle them. You say it, lovely. You're afraid of pirates. Is there anything else that you're afraid of? I hate the dark side. Of the force? <laughs> the dark side of human nature. Also, I hate usurpers. Usurpers. Can't stand them either. <laughs> That's a very interesting response. I would have never thought to be afraid of that. 
personally, I'm afraid of spiders. Well, you've mm. never had your head cut off by an upstart revolutionary, have you? <laughs> I suppose my question for you is what have you ever done about these usurpers, as you put it? Well, you've got your pen. I mean, it seems to me that writing is a is a poor substitute for action. And that's something you trot out at a meeting like this, is it? Uh, that's a fair point. <laughs> Are you as they I say in the 21st action. century, weird flex, bro, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All your fears sound really, really grand. My fears are a little bit more myopic. I'm just afraid that in the end, I will have been a second-rate scribbler. None of it's good enough. It's all trash. And it nearly breaks my heart. I see. Now this is something I can identify with. I'm afraid of three things. A weak upper lip, florid prose, and impotence. I think we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like uh, the writing life is very important to you both. How is everyone else's writing life going? We are a group of authors, after all. Well, I haven't been well lately, so it's been going in fits and starts. I haven't been well either, but it's been going at breakneck pace. Why, I even write in the hospital. Finished my last story in a hospital bed, you know. Uh, They made one of my stories into a motion picture, did you hear? Well, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that you haven't been well. Are you afraid to die? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, what I'm most afraid of... I suppose it's... Awesome transition. I loved it. I'm, a, I'm afraid of this podcast. I, I, I'm most afraid of hypocrisy in myself as much of, uh, as others. I, I see the self-righteousness in my previous comment about uh, judgy people that drive me mad. I suppose I'm practically like them. See, now that's a kind of honesty I can get on board with. I'm Nephilim if I'm not honest, sir. I do appreciate that in a woman, or a man for that matter. I don't think about death very much, but when I do, I generally hop in an airplane and attend a bullfight. Well, things have taken a very dramatic turn. Let's lighten the mood a little bit. (laughs) Let's uh, let's do. uh, You all have come here from such various time periods, I think. (laughs) I was wondering uh, what your favorite thing about the time that you you live in is. This must be a shock to you to be here Mm. in 2020. I do miss the nightlife in Paris. Here, here. My favorite thing about the period that I grew up in was the booze and the jazz and the fountains. I love dancing at fountains, rip-roaring drunk. (laughs) I suppose uh, my favorite thing about my era is the local color. Everything in my time is so very colorful, just like my peacocks. Men are, you know. People are just so amusing. I don't look out the window much, but they say my age is bright and shiny, golden. You might even call it gilded. That's the kind of prose I dislike, gilded. Yes, I don't. I don't like gilded prose much myself. I do. I prefer. I love it to be very direct. I like things to be shiny and I like extra words. Words on top of words. Words should be shiny and beautiful. And here I thought we were going to get on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to see that you all have been opening up a little bit, getting to know each other. This has been a delightful time. I'm about to go into the kitchen. Can I get you anything to drink? Rum. A bottle of rum. <laughs> For God's sake. I'll take a gin, Ricky. That's my favorite drink because I'm convinced you can't smell it on my breath. So nobody can tell how roaring drunk I really am. I gotta try that. Mm. 
<laughs> then again, if you don't have that, have. I'll take some champagne. Too much of anything is bad, they say, but too much champagne is just right. I'll take whatever you've got, but a daiquiri would hit the spot. Mm, I believe I have some sweet tea. Thank you kindly. All right. Well, there it is. Those were our authors. And now it is our job to figure out who each of us were. But I don't know that that is going oh, to be wait, all wait, that difficult. There's a, question, there's a question you didn't ask. No, no, you completist. That's not the point. <laughs> it's an important question. You asked what was the most important thing in life. Brevity. Moving on. <laughs> Zelda. Moving on. I almost Grace. said when you said what's your favorite thing about your era, Zelda Fitzgerald. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I almost went there. All right, going around the room, let's take guesses at who everyone was. Let's uh, let's start with Ian. Who do we think that Ian is? Hemingway. Ah, uh, Hemingway. He's Ernest Hemingway. Pleased to meet you. Uh, who who is Megan? Uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. F. Scott Fitzgerald. Oh yeah. What gave it away? Yeah. Dancing in a fountain, rip roaring drunk. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and Zelda and all of your insecurity about whether or not you can yep. write. Okay, this is a difficult one, but who was mom? Flannery, Flannery O'Connor, O'Connor, of course. Flannery O'Connor. <laughs> it was not remotely difficult. Did you like my southern draw? But I the did. southern draw, which you've been working on all day, <laughs> is really the good. Southern, so the southern draw was great. would be appalled. It was beautiful. There were a couple of moments when southern draw tipped over into like... Boston slang or the Bronx <laughs> or something. Yeah. No, the there Bronx. was a hat in there somewhere. <laughs> We're amateurs. We're I amateurs. I'm a reader, not an actress. Oh, it was so funny and so consistent. You just sold it. It was great. Hey, listeners. As you may have noticed, we did not guess the author that Adam was portraying. We're leaving that one to you. Tell us Adam's identity by heading over to our Facebook or Instagram pages and commenting on the post for this episode. Your guess will enter you into a drawing to win a Bibliophiles fan package, including Bibliophiles bookmarks, a mug, and one last very special thing. We are delighted to announce the coming arrival of a new book from Center for Lit called The Bibliophiles Guide to Reading, 10 Conversations About Art and Literature. We're putting down in print the first 10 conversations we had on this podcast that set the parameters for the rest of our discussions. Included in the volume are retrospective essays from each of the hosts, along with a running commentary comparing our thoughts today with our initial thoughts from five years ago on questions like, what is art? Should art be beautiful? And is truth necessary in literature? The winner of this drawing will be the first to receive a copy of that book when it comes out in February 2021. While I have been working behind the scenes to transcribe bibliophiles, and the goal is to eventually get all of the episodes transcribed. I know a lot of people have requested that. So I've been going through and looking at old episodes. And so the next thing that we're going to do together is... I'm afraid. I'm afraid. (laughs) I've pulled out some quotes, some classic quotes from the years and uh, you guys have to guess who said it. Are you ready? So ready. Oh, yeah. Okay. Can't Finish wait. Why. Here's a personal favorite of mine. Quote, it's not about the politics. It's about the kilts. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, either Ian or dad. Yeah. Ian or dad. <laughs> I think it's Ian. I wish. Okay. I I'm going to say that it's Ian. I, I would, I would kind of, I think it's Ian too. And it was dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
in response. It, that was episode number 41, the late great literary analysis debate with David Kern, in which David made comment to the Andrews clan and the politics behind having a clan. And then you said, it's not about the politics, it's, it's about, about the, the kilts. <laughs> I'm so glad it was me. Honestly, it's better. I think the patriarch deserves to have that line of credit. <laughs> okay, here's another one. Quote, you have some people who say, I'd love to relive college. And some who will say, I'd love to relive high school days. No one ever says, I'd love to relive middle school. <laughs> I hope that was me. I think that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was... I think it was Emily. Yeah, it's Emily. Yeah, I think it's Emily. Yeah, I think so too. It was not. That was episode number 19. That was Gary Schmidt. You guys remember when we uh, interviewed Gary Schmidt? That was my favorite episode. Celebrity episodes, huh? That was one of my favorites too. Gary Schmidt was right about that too, along with a host of other things. (laughs) All right, so there's a clue. We're expanding the pale. It isn't just us that I'm pulling quotes from. Okay. Okay, next one. Quote, I'm a fan of the only true platonic football team. Wow. The only true platonic football team? That's going to be Andrew Kern. Ding, ding, ding. Talking about <laughs> the Green Bay Packers. He nailed it. Yep. That, that was, was episode awesome. number 15, Exploring Homer with Andrew Kern. <laughs> I love Andrew Kern, but that was a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> For a couple of reasons. Shots number one, fired. I don't think football has anything to do with Plato. And number two, if there is a platonic football suck. team, it's the Seattle Seahawks. It's the Seahawks. That's right. <laughs> Okay, here's another favorite of mine. Quote, the news, dear listeners, gentle listeners, is that we don't want to be talking to you right now. That's me. <laughs> I said that. <laughs> I said Do it. Do you remember Not only that, but I think I've said it multiple times. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> that was Ian. That was you. That was uh, episode 64, Neil Postman, Literary Language and Shakespearean Gore. You were talking about how you wanted to be outside. Apparently, the weather was beautiful. Ah, that is <laughs> awesome. Like something I would say. <laughs> so now it's on record not once, but twice. <laughs> Two times. Ah, good. <laughs> All right, here's a more recent one. Quote, what if I come out of this quarantine without a six-pack? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Who among us would be unnerved by that? I don't know that any of us Who would. Who would say that? That has to be a comedy comment. Was it funny? Was it in funny context? Well, the part of it the fun of this is it being out of context. <laughs> I, I think Emily said it. What if I... Yeah, maybe. No, I think it's Megan. Or I think it was me. I think I remember I think it was Megan. That. I think it was me. It was Megan. That yep. was episode 86, Productivity and Quarantine. And you guys are just like, we're back in quarantine now, but I still don't have a six pack. (laughs) Still no six pack. All right. Fair enough. All right. Here's another one. Quote, I remember forbidding my children to just read the Bible on their own. It was when my daughter came to me one day and said, Daddy, what's a concubine? (laughs) (laughs) That is a great quotation. Okay, so who said it? I'm the only daddy with a daughter, but it must have been a guess because I don't remember saying that. (laughs) Uh, Who was that? Was that Greg Wolf? Was it Greg Wolf? Nope. Sam Negus? Don't wait a minute. I'm stumped. Pudua? Andrew Pudua? He would never say that. Oh, that sounds like Pudua. It was Andrew Pudua? Nope. That was Brian Wasco, number 25. Brian. 21st century literature. Of course. (laughs) Brian. Okay. (laughs) 
everything is clear to me now. I'm not saying I remember that happening, but it definitely checks out. <laughs> okay. Quote, if you get Daniel Day-Lewis to be in your film, it's probably going to turn out okay. So Ian. Like Ian or dad. That was Ian. Episode 13, yeah. movie adaptations of the classics. Oh, yeah. Probably in <laughs> reference to what? Last of the Mohicans? Yep, it was. Last of the Mohicans. Last of the, the, last of the Mohicans. Yeah. That's right. Do you, Ian, do you still hold that opinion? That Last of the Mohicans is okay because of Daniel Day-Lewis? That Daniel Day-Lewis will make a film okay. Yeah, I really like Daniel Day-Lewis. I think he's probably... Yeah. <laughs> it's probably just a truth about the art form. Yeah, if you have Daniel Day-Lewis in it, it's going to be awesome. I will say that that particular movie, while I still very much enjoy it, I don't know that it's objectively awesome. It may have suffered a little bit. Last of the Mohicans with Daniel Day-Lewis? Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sit down. Okay. (laughs) All right. Next one. Quotes. I'm sometimes even a little perverted. Mom. That's mom. (laughs) Gotta be mom. Definitely mom. Wow, that was fast. Yep. That's mom hands down. Did that, I that say has that? Just, that has that the level been t- of... taken so out of context. <laughs> oh, I know what it was. It was that time I was talking about how when I try to make jokes, yep. they always oh, come out yeah. sideways and then yep. I just sound perverted. It sounds perverse. That was, that was the context. Yep. It was episode 47 on Thundercake, Picture Books, and Identity. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, I copped That's it out. a fun game. Okay. <laughs> Second to last one. Quote, I've seen the book you've been carrying around, and I think this is going to be the weirdest episode of Bibliophiles we've ever done. That's dad for sure, <laughs> talking to mom. <laughs> I think Ooh. it might be dad talking to Emily. I don't know on that Are one. Are you ready? Yeah. That was me talking to dad on episode number 34, Carl Bart and Existentialism. Oh, <laughs> oh, I wouldn't have guessed oh, it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually remember that now. (laughs) I remember that with that little sardonic (laughs) glint in her eye. You're weird. (laughs) I'm going to use Carl Bart for fun. (laughs) Weird. Okay. Last one. Quote Timothy Chalamet is a hunk. That's what I'll say. (laughs) That was not me. I think that guy's a It was either me or Megan. I think it was me. But it could have been Ian. It'd be funnier if it was Ian. It was Ian. Yeah. <laughs> Episode number 81, Netflix's The King and Literary Film Adaptations. Oh, You're not wrong. Well, hey, I'm not wrong. Yeah, he's a hunk. He's a 90 pounds soaking wet. That's impossible. <laughs> it's all about charisma, Ian. Well, I had a great time coming through our old episodes and pulling out quotes. And we have come a long way. And we have talked about many things. And... It's been very fun. I'm very glad to be a part of it. Word. Mm-hmm. That was, that was so a Thank you for doing that, Emily. I can't wait to see the, the booklet when it comes out. So, in the third portion of our show, I thought we would take a slightly different tact and do a twenty round of 20 questions. The, the category is characters from literature. Standard 20 questions rules. <laughs> Who would like to go first? I volunteer to be grilled. Okay. Okay, Ian. All right. Male or female? I mean, is it a male? Oh, that's right. We can only ask yes or no questions. Yes. It's a male. Is it a 20th century male? No. Are you an animal? Like an anthropomorphized character? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> 
Are you from a children's book? On account of he being an animal, yes. <laughs> no. No. Oh, well, that's, Are that you a rabbit? Answered. No. Are you a barnyard animal? No. Are you a rat? No. Are you a mole? We only have 20, babe. <laughs> Mom, you can't just no. go through the wind in the willows. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, I can. No, you can say, are you in the wind in the willows? Are you in the wind in the willows? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, oh, I knew no. it. I knew it. Okay. Um, are you amphibious? Is that a question about the genus or species of the animal yes. or about their preferred activities? What? Don't split hairs. Just Ooh. say yes or no. No. Well. You said rat already, Missy, right? Mm -hmm. And mole. Are you hairy? Yes. Do you like to sleep through the winter and you're annoyed when people bother you? Hmm? Yes. In fact, this entire process is a little bit annoying. I know exactly <laughs> who you are. I think you're a badger. Uh -huh, I do too. I am. <laughs> Makes sense. That checks Love out. It. Yeah. Yeah, it does check out. Of course. This is a of fun game. Actually, it's funnily enough, that's not the character in that book with whom I identify with the, mo the most thoroughly. Oh, of course not. But I figured it would be way too easy to guess Mr. Toad. I chose Badger instead. All right. I want to go. Okay. Okay. Are you a male? Yes. Are you a 20th century male? No. Are you an animal? No. Oh. Are you a character from children's fiction? No. Is the book that you are from inappropriate for children? No. Do we teach it in our online classes? Are you from Treasure Island? No to mom. <laughs> yes to Megan. Do, you, do we teach it to high schoolers? No. Are you a human being? Yes. Are you a scary character? No. Have you read out loud in this person's voice? Yes. Mm -hmm. Are you from Dickens? Yes. <laughs> Are you Joe Gargery? <laughs> Are you Arthur Clennam? No to mom. Yes to Megan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so far mine was harder than yours what question did we get it on like 12 nine? no no <laughs> that it was, one was nine or ten yeah nine or ten yeah all right all right i want to go next okay megan megan's up are you a male yes are you a 19th century male yes are you from a book written by the author that you portrayed earlier no are you a young male? Yes. Are you a protagonist? No, not a protagonist. Mm. Are you a character in Megan Andrews' favorite childhood book? No. Oh, she was going to be freckles. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Are you from a children's book? Yes. Are you from a children's picture book? Yes. Well, okay. Uh, like illustrated. Yes. But is this book a part of a series? Yes. That was a very intriguing <laughs> yes. I know. Mm, yeah. I'm oh. going to win this game. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. 19th like century series. Oh, 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 oh. Are you a American person? Ooh. No. Did E. Nesbitt create you? <laughs> no. Are you Stuart Little? 
<laughs> no, but you're out 20th now. Century? <laughs> Dang it, Dad, we need your brain. <laughs> you guys haven't asked some very crucial questions that I always start with. Are you human? Yes. Oh, are you Peter Pan? No, but you're out too. I'm out. When you guess a character, you're out. Oh. You've left me alone to do this. I can do Sorry. It. <laughs> How many questions no. do I have left? You have six questions left. Um, can I give a hint? No. Okay. I'm going to beat you. Good. <laughs> Good luck. Is, are you from a coming of age story? No. Have I read this story? Yes. Are you Canadian? No. Uh-oh. We're down to two. Megan, hard one. I know. This is not that hard. I'm just delighted that I'm winning. (laughs) (laughs) No, Mom. I did not enter my world through a wardrobe. I love that she's sending me notes now. (laughs) (laughs) She can't be stopped. You can barely hope to contain her. Also, you wouldn't have said series with such a uh, uh, sort of twinkle, whatever, with a twinkle if it were Narnia. Goodness gracious. There aren't any big series like that in the 19th century, are there? Except for Tom Sawyer. Maybe 19th century is wrong. Might be 20th century. Oh, well. Also, it's illustrated, but she said illustrated. She said yes. illustrated with a twinkle, too. Yeah, she paused for a long time about the whole illustrated She doesn't thing. mean a children's picture book like you like you thought. No. It means a book with pictures. But it's it does novel. have illustrations. Yeah. Are you from a novel? Um, No. Chapter book. I don't think I have uh, a, a guess. I'm gonna what? kick. I'm gonna kick Can myself. Can I give I'm another sure, clue? Sure, give me another clue. I'm incredibly fat, and that's important. <laughs> it's gotta be poo. Augustus Gloop. Augustus Gloop. Oh, oh is it? Oh. Chocolate Factory. You are oh, yeah, kidding me. It, it is, is Augustus, Augustus Gloop. Gloop. Come on, you guys. <laughs> Augustus Gloop. Augustus wow. Gloop. That great, You're right. big, it's a greedy series. nincompoop. It's beautiful. What? Well was... done. You get you get the win because the person who guessed that was already out. So you get the win. When Thank was you. that published? Thank you. It was 20th century, though. I was wrong about the century. I see. That was misleading, Megan. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, you Megan. know, none of your guesses were about that, so it was okay. We no, jumped right to specifics really and started everything. poking needles into the freaking haystack almost immediately. <laughs> all right. All right. Mom, we got to do your character. Oh, okay. Go for it. Okay. Are you female? Yes. Are you an animal? No. Are you from adult fiction rather than children's fiction yes do you experience a dramatic conversion at the hands of something dark graphic or obscene (laughs) no that's good to know shocked are you from the 20th century no have you double checked your century (laughs) (laughs) sorry that was for me (laughs) that was great are you from the 19th century yes are you from my my favorite childhood book no are you from a victorian novel no. Are you from a Russian novel? No. Are you from an American novel? No. Are you from a British novel? Yes. Are you from a Regency era novel? Yes. Oh. Are you a protagonist? Yes. Are you a matchmaker? Yes. Are you Emma? Megan wins this game. Yes. yes. <laughs> and my friend, people. People of the world. Megan wins on both I sides. I rock on offense at 20 questions. <laughs> you rock at 20 questions. How did you do that? I don't know. I'm I just so, watched your I'm face. I'm amazed and awed. Um, I have one too. Oh, oh. Okay, go Emily. Emily. One. Okay. 
wants to ask start? her the, let's get the, the initial questions out of the way are you female yes are you an animal I love no that question. <laughs> okay no. are you from children's literature no are you from 20th century literature yes are you from american literature yes are you a protagonist no was the author of the work that you are from an alcoholic yes Oh, um, let's see. Were you very wealthy? Yes. Do you talk in a high, soft voice that's magical? Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you live on? Um, do you live on West Egg? Yes. <laughs> Daisy Buchanan. <laughs> yes. Daisy Buchanan. Daisy Buchanan for sure. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> so good. What a great game. That's a great game. I love it. We get asked a lot when we're out traveling, which hasn't been for a while now. I guess maybe me in particular, I get asked about what it's like to do business with a family. (laughs) And (laughs) it's highly concentrated in doing bibliophiles. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of like a model of what it's like to do business with a family. And it's like the most rewarding thing you ever do. And it's also extremely difficult. And so I guess what I have learned over the course of bibliophiles is um, how to be part of a family. Oh, I love that. That is very gratifying <laughs> for me to hear. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I second that. I, I think um, working together in bibliophiles, doing this kind of a thing, having the kinds of conversations that we have, um, they get intense sometimes. I get intense sometimes. <laughs> and so I have had to, I've gotten a lot of practice at repenting. I have been learning how to listen instead of just always talk. Although I know you guys don't believe me because I still always talk. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, and even that, I'm, I've been talking to dad about the fact that I'm a real contradiction in terms because I have really strong opinions and I speak them, but simultaneously I have terrible fear of man complex. So I speak very boldly and then afterwards I agonize over what I've said in private, <laughs> worried that I've offended someone or that, um, that what I've said could possibly be misunderstood, misconstrued, because the nature of a podcast is that you talk off the cuff. You don't, you don't script things beforehand. Mm. I'm way more comfortable with the idea of pre-writing something I'm a scribe mm-hmm. and I have so much more control than over the content that's generated. If I have scripted something and I can choose my words very carefully and I can think about them from all angles and make sure that I'm really saying exactly what I mean. But when you're having a conversation that's recorded, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're saying what comes to mind. You're saying what's in your heart and you know, we can see each other at least we're not in the same room except for me and dad, but we can see each other and we have the benefit of knowing each other. And so there's a rapport that's already present um, between the five of us that allows us to speak with understanding to one another. It's harder, I think, to speak to a general public that you don't really know and to know whether or not you've communicated. So um, I, I have appreciated the emails that I have gotten from people that continue the conversation those have been a great blessing to me because they have um, that kind of feedback has let me know whether or not the things that I'm saying are actually communicating the things that I'm meaning 
right? Mm-hmm. And have broadened, broadened my own perspective about the things themselves. Um, I've learned a lot from my listeners and I really appreciate the feedback from people. But yeah, I, I think this has been a learning process in so many different ways, not just um, in terms of education and interpersonal relationships, but also just spiritually learning to remember over and over again that I'm not what I do. I'm not what I say, right? That my identity comes from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a thank God moment, regardless of the way that you handle that desire to control um, how you sound, right? I mean, mom, you say that you, you talk a lot on bibliophiles and we all chuckle with you because you have brilliant ideas and we love when you talk on bibliophiles and we love when you go off on a tangent. Um, I struggle to talk on bibliophiles and it's come up a lot of times for me, just the the need to say it right, say something just the way that I mean it, keeps me from saying anything at all a lot of the time. And so I have appreciated how patient you guys have been with me as I've learned to have a voice of sorts and Mm. to say what I think before I have overanalyzed it and just (laughs) contribute to the conversation and know that there's grace in this room with you guys and there's grace in our larger audience for me to just be a person who reads Mm. instead of uh, Mm. a pre-calculated argument. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If I remember correctly, early on, I did a lot of fighting for the floor and it has, it has grown slowly in my consciousness over the years that a question and, and a well-considered and thoughtful question um, (laughs) produces a better discussion than holding the floor all the time. And so it has been really fun for me to transition into a, a role of hosting this thing rather than being one of the main contributors and and asking questions and listening mm-hmm. to all the all the four of you talk. Because the other thing that I've learned is that semantics can get in the way of real conversation a lot of the time. If what we're after is hearing someone articulate an idea that we agree with and use the words that we would use to describe it, then we're not going to grow much in our understanding of yeah. the topic. But talking with someone that you agree with who doesn't use the language you would use to talk about that idea shows you another facet of the diamond and that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So I am, I am really enjoying bibliophiles these days as an opportunity to do some listening and broaden my understanding of these ideas that we all hold dear. It's been a real blessing uh, being with you guys over these episodes. And, and uh, I've heard people say that are listeners that it feels like a, uh, a living room that they come and sit in and toss the conversational ball about. And uh, I feel that way too when um, we get together on an episode. And I'm grateful to the four of you for producing that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's really been a blessing to me personally over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to second something that mom said, which is it's such a blessing to hear back from people because oh, yeah. it, it opens up our view to other perspectives or to ways of thinking about things that we wouldn't because we spend all of our time together and so sometimes it can become an echo chamber and so we really do appreciate feedback and I I love I love hearing what other people have to say one thing about that that's that's hard to remember is that we um, it is there's great risk involved in mounting a podcast because you send a conversation out into the into the airwaves on the internet and um, something about that just sort of creates the assumption that you're an expert <laughs> and uh, that maybe you're, you know, you have 
you're you're not insecure about anything and you're just <laughs> holding forth the gospel or the uh, truth with a capital T and it invites criticism and it invites differences of opinion and those are risky things to have to face and uh, I I appreciate the risk and I appreciate the chance to do it and I also appreciate the goodwill and gentleness with which a lot of the comments uh, that come back our way are delivered. And I can tell that the congenial family atmosphere that we're hoping to create is is rubbing off a little bit out in the world. And I'm glad to see that. Well, uh, what's something surprising that you have read because of conversations on bibliophiles? Has, has anyone taken up something that they wouldn't have otherwise? For me, it was probably Orbiting Jupiter. I wouldn't have read that if we weren't going to interview Gary Schmidt. Mm. And that was one of the most shocking and delightful and rich things that I've read. Well, I wouldn't have um, I wouldn't have bothered to pick up a, a modernist novel probably unless we were teaching it in class. Uh, had it not been for the conversations about literary issues up to and including the defense of modernism that Emily is always lobbing at us, had it not been for bibliophiles for sure. I also so thank you. Emily. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have read Crime and Punishment if you hadn't harped on it either. Oh, yeah. And that was also delightful. Although, if I remember correctly, I was very sick while I was reading it and it made it worse. (laughs) 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 It would. That's funny. And it made it worse. I feel like I might have read To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf because of a comment that one of you made in the Bibliophiles episode. It probably was you. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Emily recommended and then talked at length about, um, I think it was James Joyce at one point, but I do have to admit I haven't followed up on it yet. I am curious (laughs) and I will read it because of what you said, but I haven't done it yet. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to go back and read Robinson Crusoe because I said something about not enjoying the travelogue on a podcast and um, a listener a listener called me on it and said you've got to read Robin Crusoe you have to like it you must and so I started listening to it in an audiobook and I still haven't still made it still don't it. like it still don't like travel logs <laughs> I tried I really did <laughs> oh I have another one uh, Megan I um, got into Graham Greene because of conversations that you uh, participated oh, in yeah. on bibliophiles Oh, yeah, he's great, too. I hadn't read Graham Greene before. I, had, I think I read one title in college, but I don't really remember it. But then I, I read a bunch of them um, because of our discussions here. Mm. Well, have you changed your mind about any issues because of conversations on bibliophiles? Or are we, or are we still rock solid? I tend to be <laughs> stubborn myself, so probably haven't changed my mind about a lot. But <laughs> Yeah, you're speaking to the choir, right? Um I don't know that I've changed the fundamental ideas that I have about reading, but talking to you guys has broadened what I read hmm. in some ways. Like I've spent a lot of time in dystopian fiction that I probably wouldn't have read if, if you weren't interested in that. And I opened um, that book by Brown, what's his first name, that Ian recommended and read that. I never would have oh, picked Pierce that up Brown. without Ian's recommendation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Station Eleven is another one that I read as a result of you. Mm-hmm. So certainly... I'm reading more broadly as a result of our conversation. And if there's any um, any element of the role of the reader and the job set before him when they open a book, if I've changed in my regard to how to read and how to think about the reading experience, it may be that 
I'm finding in my original um, articulation of the argument some semantic issues that miscommunicate to people from a different generation than my mm. own. Because when, um, when I was going to college and I was talking about the issue of, for example, authorial intention and things like that, the scholars that were presenting the ideas to me and teaching me what good reading looks like were waging a battle, a great battle against subjectivity, against deconstruction in the classroom. And a couple generations later, the emphasis has moved, not because that's no longer important, but because um, new ideas have entered the classroom about these ideas. And it's not just the deconstructionists that are being dealt with, but also the fact that every time we come to a novel, we bring with it our own life content and our own experience. And because novels work in verisimilitude, right, um, they draw on our experience through metaphor and imagery and things like that. And if we haven't had much life content, we can't really appreciate to the same extent or engage with the author to the same extent in the kind of conversation he's trying to have. So that means that reading the same novel twice, I probably am going to get more out of it the second time because I bring more life content to bear. And when the author's trying to speak with me and says, it's like this, I say, oh, oh yeah, I see what you mean now right? So there is a, a, a part of the reading experience that actually does draw on the individual's experiences and life content. And I think that the argument against deconstruction was so large over my own understanding of reading that I couldn't really hear you when you were talking about that idea. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Are you, are you, do you remember those conversations? I do. And I was actually going to say that I think I would say something similar in my own attitude that I came out of college uh, they hounded the new critics basically in the way that they taught and that was the way that we were trained and you come out of college and you're pretty sure that you know everything and I was very opinionated and over time I think I have learned how much I don't know and so I'm far more open to hearing other articulations of what it means of what it all means what reading is mm what literature is, what it means to write. And I think I stand here with less willingness to say I know <laughs> than mm-hmm. I did before. Yeah, yeah, I That's really good. agree with you. I think um, talking together has, I think, encouraged humility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you guys, this was so much fun. Emily, well done. What a great retrospective. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the heck out of this. Uh, what, is your, what is your favorite exercise of the night, you guys? One at a time, rapid fire. Emily, go. I think that pulling quotes was my favorite, and I'm very excited about the new book that we have coming out. What's the date on that again? Uh, probably February 2021. February 2021. Put it in your calendars, folks. It's going to be super fun. Hopefully there will be plenty of embarrassing content from all of us. Megan, rapid fire, go. What's your favorite part of today? Oh, um, I loved beating all y'all at 20 questions. <laughs> Fair enough. Winning is my favorite. Dad, go. Impersonating authors, obviously, (laughs) since I appear to have won that. (laughs) Mom, go. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally with you on that. I loved your Scottish accent. Yeah, I think I agree. That was fun. I think the Scottish accent, or maybe the Southern Bell. That may have been the Southern Bell was pretty awesome. Watching the two of you sell the performances. It was so so thorough, though. 
Well, I was, I, I, I we're went all in. Followers. Fa- we're followers. I loved it. We follow awesome. directions. I'm sure I offended every Southern listener that <laughs> oh, we have, including my mother-in-law. <laughs> I'm sure that they all found it hilarious. Well, and that actually leads me to a great, a great way to close our time together. You listeners, rapid fire to you. What was your favorite part? Tell us uh, online and don't forget to answer the question about our mystery guest. We are so grateful to all of you for allowing us to keep doing this and for continuing to download it and listen to it and Mm -hmm. send us emails and join in the conversation that we're having. We're always looking for ways to involve you. And if you sit and you think to yourself, there's a topic they need to discuss. There's a book they haven't read that they would love. They're dead wrong about this, 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 and that. And I just have to tell them about it. Please do. We love hearing from you. So let us know what you're thinking. Thank you for 100 episodes and maybe we'll do 100 more. (laughs) We love you guys. We'll talk to you later. Happy Happy reading, reading, everybody. Happy reading. Happy reading.